Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Super Metal Brothers. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. Where we have today a very special guest. He is the bass player slash vocalist for a black metal band from Tasmania. The band's called Varg. Very famous from the fans. Uh, very sludgy yet piercing sounds and production. Sounds great. But lately they've got themselves in a bit of a, a crossfire with process of certain activist groups. So here to talk to us today about himself, his band Varg, and also the thoughts on protests and more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Raymond Belusov. Is that right? <laughs> Um, hey guys, um, I should correct you uh, immediately. Uh, oh, it's uh, it's Vrag. Uh, it's oh. very similar to uh, to Vag, and it's uh, also similar in meaning. Ah, there you go. Excellent. It's, it's a common mistake people make. Uh, uh, it's it's actually Vag, and uh, the other thing is that Australians pronounce it wrong, and they say Vag or something like that. Yeah, right. Rhymes was uh, was Prague. Prague, that makes okay. sense. Yeah, okay. yeah, for sure. Well, I'm going to keep that in the show because uh, a little bit of education doesn't hurt no one. Hey, Danny. Yeah, that's true, actually. We uh, make fools ourselves all the time. Now, Roman, uh, we're going to get straight into it. We're going to talk about your band first off. You've got a lot of uh, Shroud in the mystery as well. I think uh, the first uh, wave, particularly in Black Metal, had a lot of that where it was a lot of tape trading. Not so much the band wouldn't disclose much information in that. And uh, I think with yourself, um, you've done something similar as well. But I prefer you to talk about the band first off and, and foremost. What is the band Vrag? Okay, well, uh, we started, uh, me and a, uh, and a mate of mine, um, we started uh, just after school. And before that, you know, he was playing in punk bands, and uh, I was sort of starting to actually learn a, a, uh, an instrument. So we thought we'd start a band because um, all of our other friends were playing this commercial bullshit we thought was uh, rather weak. So one day uh, we uh, we decided that we'd uh, would do a tape, and it had like a mayhem cover and a burzum cover on it or something like that and like maybe one original and um that continued for a couple of years until we uh, started recording a bit more professionally using uh shit we used to use a uh, four track machine a tape machine uh, back in the day i i uh, i'm so old that i've caught the end of the uh, analog era as well as the end of the tape trading era and, um uh, you know he left uh, years ago he lives in new york now plays in punk bands up there and over the years, I've had many uh, different lineups, but I've always been, you know, the, the guy behind uh, uh, Vrag. So uh, we've recently released uh, a couple of albums, and we actually have one more on the way. We've uh, finished recording it, and we're just waiting for the uh, for the label to uh, release it. it. Should be in about August. This one is going to be called Hate from Hell. Oh, beautiful, I love it. Now with black metal. At least, I think the best of it in the genre is it resides in very cold, dark pits across the whole entire globe. Generally speaking, uh, Northern Europe, I'd imagine, or Norway in particular. Tasmania is the opposite. It's actually further south. In fact, instead of being closer to the North Pole, it's closer to the South Pole. Now, do you feel that the environment does help craft your sound in the band, or is it more the person just shaping it? From what, what is your take when it comes to the environment and the yeah. music? It's an aspect. I mean, uh, if you look at what the Norwegians, you know, the second wave Norwegians were saying, nature always comes up. But, you know, I don't think weather really affects uh, it that much because, you know, there's some really grim bands from places like Mexico and uh, and Japan. So, and we ourselves are originally from Sydney, which is uh, quite balmy. Yeah, that's right. So it's lovely weather and just, yeah, the problems with the beaches and, yeah, and the people. But apart from that, it's not too bad, I hear. Uh, well, you know, it's you make of it uh, what you can. Essentially, uh, I moved to Tasmania um, as as like a, a major life choice because I wanted to actually settle down here and start a family. And, uh, that's what I'm in the process of doing right now. 
uh, there was always a, a really grim under, underground scene here, black metal scene. And um, I've been in contact with it for, for years. Like uh, every year I would come to play at Crucifying the Bastard, the, uh, the local black metal festival. Uh, eventually when it came up as to where we're going to move so we can actually afford to buy a house, it, uh, Tasmania came up as the logical place to go to. So mm. here I am. But let's talk a little bit more about yourself with your ideologies as well. Now, is there a lot of uh, motivation, inspiration that you draw to contribute to the band? Or is it um, like, did you have the idea that Varag to be your artistic expression in a sense? Or are you more in the background just helping push it in the right direction? Where, where is your position in the band? No, it's it's mostly me in the, in the sense that I write all the lyrics, I write most of the music. Though I prefer to collaborate with other people because uh, it always makes the music better. I'm, I'm, I'm a musician by accident because... Um, you know, our original deal was that, you know, uh, let's start a band, but you have to learn bass and buy, buy all the gear. So I did. But, you know, lyrics and sort of the ideas, the stories behind them is something that was always that was always my forte. So mm. ideologically, um, the band is, is all about, you know, darkness. And, I mean, we've gone through themes of, you know, uh, Satanism and uh, misanthropy and all, all the usual stuff. But really where it's at is it's just dark stories from uh, from our history uh, if you read our lyrics which are all on, all online you'll you'll get a better idea of, of what it's about i think yeah grace with um your lyric content and your themes roman have you kind of changed them or like developed them as you've matured or they've always kind of been around the same type of themes it's hard to say i mean i uh, if i come across a good story such as for instance i don't know the uh the albigensian albigensian crusade sorry it's hard to say mm. Uh, which was the crusade preached by um, um, by the Roman Pope in the 1200s uh, against essentially other Christians in the south of France and was like a big power grab. But France wouldn't exist as it is now uh, had it not happened, put it this way. And, uh, you know, if you read the literature around that particular story, you could probably, uh, probably write albums after albums. Uh, just based on that one particular story, yeah, it's it's famous, for instance, for um, the saying "kill them all and let God sort them out." Quotes uh, from that particular story. Uh, it's not sure as to who particularly said it. Could have been the Pope. It could have been one of the um, uh, French barons. But either way, that's where it comes from. So, and that's the, that's explored on the new album. Uh, there's a song on there called "Pestilent and Insane." Mm-hmm. Which is, by the way, uh, another quote from uh, from the literature that that was said by I think Urban the Ninth when he was condemning the um, uh, either the bishop or the uh, or Raymond of Toulouse I forget which which particular character he called pestilent and insane but that always stuck in my head uh, in my in my head as a, as an awesome quote so there's a song called that on the, on the new album yeah so with um, these uh, stories etc Raymond do you try to create a whole album based on the theme or based on one story or event or you just kind of put a mixture of things together that would be a concept album and I've never been able to create one it's um, mainly because it's there's so many things that you could pick at I think it would be boring to mm-hmm. to actually try to restrict yourself to one particular theme and have to then say this album was about this particular concept and nothing else and you have to go from A to B it's it's too formulaic so uh, all of our albums end up uh, an album in in the old sense of you know like the rock and roll sense of uh, of an album where back in the days people would put out a bunch of seven inches and side A would be the side A's and side B would be side B's 
on a 12 inch, you know, that type of uh, an album. It's just a compilation of uh, songs that we came up in uh, a rehearsal. And uh, once we have enough, we record them and it becomes an album. Speaking about albums, and for instance, the uh, Power of Satan here we have on Bandcamp, you actually have a cassette tape and it's limited to only 50 copies. Now, was this an archetype that you followed with those in the Europe scene where they were doing that um, around the first and possibly second wave in black metal? Or was it just something fun that you wanted to do and pay homage to your people? that you were of fans of as well uh sort of um you have to realize that uh, i mean this this stuff doesn't sell a lot of copies um so a uh, limitation is always a, a nice way to say um you know there's 50 of these and if you want it uh you can have it we're right out that's it um i mean we'll always put out another album you know a, a year later or another tape and you can have that later so uh the limitations for I don't know. I think it's more practical rather than symbolic, uh, in the sense that 50 tapes is about enough to uh, to spread this around. Especially because you know, as soon as uh, as soon as it reaches certain hands, it ends up online anyway, and you can go and download it if you really want to hear it. You know, 10 years on, that's it's always happened to all of our tapes. With obviously, you've used for instance nine eight nine stations of the inverted cross. Now, I quite like the story that you had in that song. Now, to me, unfortunately, I'm. I generally develop my own story with the characters in it and um, I got a certain interpretation from it. But do you use other imagery as well as, it does sound like a little bit like a criticism of the Catholic nature or Christian nature, but also for me it feels like someone that's throwing the shackles of faith away and finding something more in themselves as well. Is there other imagery that you like to go into, maybe particular like Marduk and Take, where they use certain war imagery, for instance? Uh, not really. I don't think I've written a war song. Oh. Um, Marduk is, is tend to be very verbose, where you know, Vlad Tepes went here and killed all these people, and then he went there and he killed all those people. That's kind of how their lyrics go. I, I mine are more obscure, so uh, it won't be immediately obvious perhaps when you read it as to what the inspiration is although there is a definite idea behind every lyric and uh, I like to leave it ambiguous because um, you know is it still art if you have to explain it to people you know like with jokes you know do you have to explain it to uh, to people does it stop being funny after you do that you know um, it's the same here so Something like my stations and either across, I could tell you the general idea, which is um, I was thinking about the uh, 14 stations of the cross, which you, you, would, you would see if you enter a Catholic church, which is a form of Christian meditation. And um, I was thinking of what the, uh, the anti-Christian version of that might be. And mm. that's, that's what the song is about. Right. Mm. But I guess like with, um, I guess, it's still a type of form of meditation. So is that what you try and get across with it? But it's more like the um, Satanism form of meditation or is it just a different... Altogether, it does say the inverted cross. So yes, I suppose I, you can say satanic or uh, or um, anti-Christian. Mm. Um, does that answer your question? More importantly, I think what we're doing here is making sure we cover the bases because I want to get into now, if it's okay, the um, the gigs now that have uh, uh, featured your band and its protests as well. Now, a lot of people will be unfamiliar with this, but the people. Uh, they were familiar with the June the 9th gig with Hellraiser 9, will be. So let's talk a little bit about that, okay? Can you tell us a little bit about maybe how you got onto this show first up and what kind of transpired and what happened around this Hellraiser 9th show that was supposed to be featured in Victoria, was it? Uh, that's right, yeah. It was um, it was going to happen at um, what used to be called the Public Bar. They, they've changed names since then, uh, since, well, since last time we played there. We've played there at least twice to the last chance. And um, 
the gig was organized by uh, the guys from Go Blood, who are friends of ours, uh, and because they're locals, how it usually de- uh, goes is that you know the locals organize everything and supply the backline, and then uh, and then you know the uh, the interstate bands just come and use that. It just helps everyone basically uh, save on time and money. And, um, they then got an email from the venue saying uh, there's been uh, quote quote com- community concerns, and uh, we might have to cancel the gig because. Um, you, you guys look like you're neo-Nazis or something like that. I, they, I saw the back and forth because they were talking to me about this as well. Um, and the response was, well, we're not neo-Nazis. What's the actual problem? And uh, the venue was quite vague about it, saying, no, no, we, I'm sure we, we got this right. You're neo-Nazis and you've used certain imagery and blah, blah, blah. They were, they were being very vague, I actually uh, got sick of it. And I uh, emailed them saying, hey, you know, we're the uh, band and so... You know, we have to travel interstate to to see the show. What's going on? You know, can we can we work this out somehow? And uh, finally, after long exchange and after they already announced that they're going to cancel the gig, they said, "Oh, the problem is is that there's a particular tape on uh, on Goldblatt's uh, label, which is called Australibus Tenebris. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, a Nazi tape." And I uh, I had a look at it, and uh, you know, it was some Polish band or something that that they must have gotten in a, in a uh, tape trade, and uh, it was sitting on their label. I wasn't even sure. I, I wasn't aware that it was there uh, until until that was pointed out to us. So I said to them, "Well, if that's the problem, why don't we uh, remove the uh, association with the uh, with the label so that the show can go on? And uh, you know, if you don't want to deal with Matt, you can deal with me. You know, I I have nothing to hide. You can go and have a look at my lyrics. You know, it's not a political band." And the guy uh, was really unreasonable about it. In my uh, assessment, he said, "No, uh, your tapes are on the same label," which is true. He uh, released. He released one tape of ours, and he uh, did a tape version of an album of ours. And um, that to him meant that uh, we're guilty by association, and he didn't want to deal with us on, on that basis. So I felt that was quite unreasonable. I told him, look, I'm going to have to publicize this because this can't go on. It fits into a, a pattern of, of gigs being canceled for stupid reasons. And uh, you know, before I do that, I want to get all the facts. And uh, um, he said, you know, go ahead, basically. Uh, he didn't care. Um, so um, we published it uh, in a way that, uh, for instance, you guys saw it, although obviously uh, ABC and CNN aren't knocking on our door exactly. You know, uh, a little bit of uh, media exposure, I think, is good because this keeps on happening. Maru can talk, you know, they're big bands, and banning them is obviously uh, obviously has a greater uh, effect on uh, on you know uh, a venue or a music scene where you know the, there'd be uh, there'd be thousands of people paying to see them. Uh, in our case, you know the last chance has a capacity of fifty or sixty or something like that. So in terms of scale, it's uh, it's nothing, but it fits into the same pattern where it's just too easy to uh, uh, to go to a venue and say point at somebody and say those people are Nazis, and if there isn't anything obviously Nazi about them, then they're hidden Nazis. It's essentially thought crime. You know, I could do that. To you, for instance, if I wanted to start getting your band and uh, call up your work and tell them, tell you that, uh, tell them that uh, you're uh, secret Nazis and why you're employing Nazis. That, mm. That's the sort of shit that these people do. You touched on uh, briefly there that Varg has had possible shows cancelled in the past. Um, does it feel like it's becoming a regular occurrence for you, especially with what's happening in the States as well, uh, which we'll get into in a sec? Is it a similar uh, protests, uh, same criticisms or different? Uh, it varies. I mean, um, we've been banned before for being anti-Christian. Um, that wasn't particularly kosher with certain people. Uh, I use kosher figuratively. Yes. 
And um, the, but more recently, it's been the same thing. Um, somebody would call the venue. They wouldn't call us, you know, we've never heard from these people. They've never contacted us and, and said, hey, you know, uh, what's going on? What are you guys doing? Mm. No, no, no. What they do instead is they call the venue and say, these guys are Nazis and you shouldn't be uh, hosting them. It happened a year ago when, um, when we played with uh, Anatomy uh, in Hobart. In, uh, in that case, Anatomy, who organized the gig and had us as support, got all the emails and, you know, he showed me the emails and I said, well, just tell them what, what you know about us, you know, because he's seen us play before actually funnily enough at the uh, at the public bar now known as uh, the last chance so uh, how that got sorted out is that uh, we went to the venue and saw the manager in person and said look these people are crazy and you know this isn't a political show it's not a nazi show just you know relax and uh, the guy said yeah that's fine you know so that went ahead um but since the last chance thing uh, i've had at least i think two shows uh, not cancelled but in the sense that you know somebody wanted us in the lineup and then the venue gets back to them and said no we can't have them so either somebody is contacting these venues or these venues are actually uh, uh either googling us and finding this uh this information or actually are checking certain websites i won't mention which ones yeah. uh, that uh, host this information publicly I don't know what's going on, but uh, it's it's not particularly new in the sense that, uh, you know, promoters come and go, and so does this uh, Antifa bullshit. It's, it's a trend, just like an SBM was a trend in the beginnings of 2000s. It's annoying, but I'm not particularly concerned in the sense that, well, I'll save money on travel and uh, get to do other things, such as record and uh, work in my workshop. So as I'm saying, it's annoying, but it's not a problem. I mean, do you feel like it might be necessary for you to, like, temporarily cause a creative side project to change your name just so you can feel like you can tour again and do gigs or you can you just keep with rag and just wait for this to kind of blow over no that's uh, number one that would be admitting guilt and defeat and uh i'm not guilty of anything in my assessment and uh, uh you know everything is online it's not that hard to track me down if even if i was to change uh change names uh and you know, that's a suggestion that uh, I've heard many times over because, you know, before this whole Antifa thing started, you know, I was in trouble with the the sort of the more right wing section of, of black metal for not being right wing enough. And yeah. it, it was the same. It was the same story. You know, why don't you just change your name and then everything will be fine. Well, to which I say, no, well, fuck you. This is a banner I, I, I chose to carry and to the bitter end. It feels that there is you're on a possible blacklist, like you were saying before. There are certain people now who have pegged you and it feels like now, like Dan was saying before, it'd be a little difficult for you to find those gigs and that. Who's really to blame? Is Do you think Antifa from the States and we're just catching that cult here in Australia or the Christian groups, is it a whole entire thing? Or is it just the venues who are just too gutless to do the right thing for the music and see past all the rhetoric? How do you feel? That you, how, how long will these repercussions last for as well? Like, what, what do you think the band's future might be for playing live shows? It's a combination of all those things. Uh, I mean, we last played in Melbourne about two years ago, just before the, uh, uh, the US election. It seems like certain people just lost their minds after Trump got elected. Mm. And... Uh, everyone's really hypersensitive about this stuff now. The information that they publish about us, you know, about our members and who we associate with and all that bullshit, has been available, you know, ever since we uh, we existed. The, the, we don't have anything to hide, you know. Everything is online. You can go on uh, Metal Archives and look us up. 
it's, it's very detailed. However, the bans have started being more frequent since uh, since the Trump election, and I, I, I suppose I've got a, a, an inkling that that has something to do with it. As for um, what's happening generally, well, it's referred to as you know the culture war, and you, you see it elsewhere in the in the media, for instance. So, for instance, uh, um, the majority of, of of metal media, uh, we're talking about, you know, metal sucks and, and they're, they're like, have become really left-wing aware to the point where they publish manifestos saying that we are going to uh, actively deride people that we don't like politically in the metal scene, you know. Where does that leave us? Uh, I am not sure. The, the stuff usually blows over. I mean, I've seen, I've seen, you know, promoters come and go. I'm still here. Uh, in fact, I'm doing much better than I, uh, I ever was because, you know, I've got four albums under my belt, whereas when I started, it was just a pile of demos, you know. Um, and it'll be the same with uh, any band that gets banned like that, you know, Marduk and Tark. If anything, it's, uh, it gives them credence by uh, by being offensive enough that certain people don't don't like what they do to the point where they get banned. I think banning these people is, is going to, uh, quote, quote, deplatform them, uh, on the contrary. So I think what we're dealing with is, uh, is a certain section of, of the metal community that it's not even the metal community because uh, we kind of have an idea as to who did this to us in Melbourne. Mm. They're not part of the metal scene. They're, they're punks. A certain section of just the community that that are of a, a certain mental age where they they like destroying things, but they haven't learned to build anything. It's, uh, it's like a child in a dad's garage putting dents into his car with a hammer. You know, he knows he shouldn't be doing it, but it feels good in the moment. That's precisely what's happening, you know, figuratively speaking. So, you know, all you could do is laugh at it. You know, it's it's a minor inconvenience compared to um, to you know war and famine, for instance, or uh, or living in, uh, in the Soviet Union, uh, where I uh, happen to come from. So I have a little bit of perspective as to what sort of sorts of things these people uh, think they are talking about when they uh, when they build themselves as anti-capitalist or whatever bullshit that, yeah. uh, that uh, their stuff says. You know, um, ultimately, they should have come to us and just talked to us. I wish they did that, but they never do. <laughs> Where does that leave us? Yeah, so I guess, Rami, going back, you said it, it is a culture war. Do you reckon being like a black metal is just an easy target and they just see black metal and they just go for you guys? And is this also happening in other states around Australia in the black metal community? Or is it kind of just focused around uh, Victoria and Melbourne? Uh, well, anecdotally, Melbourne is uh, is the hotbed of this sort of stuff. I can tell you that um, immediately after the uh, the show that we were on got banned, um, uh, I could see uh, comments in the public domain, which have since been removed, where they started talking. You know, oh great, this show has got gotten banned. What about this next one? And they're pointing to um, uh, to a show that's happening probably in a couple of weeks, uh, also in Melbourne, also black metal bands. You know, I, I don't think it actually matters. <laughs> if it's a uh, if it's an NS show or or not, they just like getting things banned. That particular show was completely innocuous, and in fact, I know again, I know some of the bands personally, and you know they come from a really left wing background, like punk bands, yeah, punk yeah. and bands. You know, they just happen to be in a black metal band as well. They wanted to ban that because of why? Because another band on that lineup was on this lineup that got banned. Guilt by association in the third degree or something like that. Yeah. It's fucking bullshit. You know, if if you profess to be uh, to be punk, you know, this is really not punk. Uh, getting shit banned. Yeah. But I guess these guys weren't 
part of the punk scene back in the day. So <laughs> what can I say again? Yeah. I mean, it could be fair, like saying, like you said, they weren't privileged to like what the scene was back in the day. And you, you feel like people being influenced more about like, I guess these left wing, like Buzzfeeds and all these journalistic points of view. I guess everybody's becoming self-righteous and I guess they're getting away from the fact like metal and punk's about rebellion and free speech and all of that part of themselves. So, I mean, do you see like there's going to be a, a couple of years now where metal's going to be tamer, like the lyrical content and the themes and imagery will be a bit more tamer just for a while? Or do you reckon you still say, no, no, we'll do what we want to do and don't worry about anybody else? I don't think it will change anything. Um, you have to remember that... Um you know, the whole NSBM thing was was a trend. You know, there was a particular point in the, in the history of black metal where everyone was NS. And uh, it was a little bit ridiculous because, well, I mean, sure, you could do that uh, in terms of uh, freedom of speech, but uh, you're going to create uh, problems for yourself, you know, in terms of employment and, you know, being part of polite society. Uh, obviously, being in a, in a black belt band doesn't really place you inside of polite society, so mm. you have to find some sort of a balance. It's the same here. Um, my prediction is that uh, the whole Antifa thing will f- either fizzle out because these people will grow out of it, or uh, they will do something um, so stupid uh, involving you know, damage to property or uh, uh, to life and limb mm. that the authorities will actually uh, you know, stop taking them seriously as a threat, which they, they don't seem to at the moment. What will happen then is that uh, all these uh, hangings-on will just start disassociating themselves with uh, the whole Antifa movement, and uh, there'll be just less of it. That's my prediction. Whether or not that's going to happen, obviously, uh, is, is a very interesting question. I'm just as curious as you are. I really want to talk to you about Metal Sucks, really, and the metal media, because, like you said, with Tark and with Marduk and eventually all these other black metal bands, they've been labeled from Islamophobia to homophobia to white nationalism. And we've talked about this, and I think you've talked about this as well, Roman, briefly, that these these unjust accusations that are pure rhetoric, just outside, they want to make a point, maybe, Metal Sucks, whatever. Is now black metal coming back as the most pivotal point of defiance and resistance in the heavy metal community is it right now probably the, one of the most important genres right now in order to find out how far we can push the buttons and 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 express ourselves in the most lightest and darkest possible aspects in artistic expression well you got to remember that uh, black metal is a is a style of music it's an art form um it in itself is powerless to change the world um the reason for that is, uh, in the words of um, uh, Mr. Orderus from uh, from Gua, he said a w- very wise thing years ago, which is, art is meant to imitate life, not the other way around. So, yeah, you could say black metal is the final fuck you to everything, and uh, partly why NSBM exists is is because you know um, every underground music genre ends up on uh, the you know some awards show on MTV. So. Yeah, because it gets normalized uh, by the mainstream. So, you know, try normalizing an SBM, not you, you know. But um, the uh, ultimately, if you want to change the world, um, releasing tapes with black metal on them isn't the way to go about it. That stuff is just fun, you know. Uh, if you want to change the world, you should educate yourself politically mm. or whatever it is that you lean to. You know, the, the, the least thing you can do is whenever the next election uh, uh, comes around, is number one, register. Number two, read up about the uh, candidates that, that, that you're voting for because most people go to the booth and they don't know who these people are, you know. Yeah. And, you know, 
nowadays everything is online. It doesn't take a long time to uh, uh, to to find out what, what these people are. That's how you change the world. Black metal will always remain uh, because you know people are drawn to the romantic darkness that uh, that is at the core of the genre. The politics are secondary to it, and I don't think any amount of political so-called political action uh, on the part of the likes of Antifa is going to uh, stop people that want to re- release NSBM from releasing NSBM. It's so pointless. The question I have to ask is, is why, isn't, uh, why aren't the authorities doing anything about people that, uh, that, that openly um, uh, say that, you know, we're going to go out there and punch Nazis and actually uh, promote violence, political violence? The answer might be is that uh, uh, it's keeping people who are against the status quo busy with each other instead of uh, being involved in you know politics that matter, like mainstream politics. Maybe that's what's happening. Black metal is just a pimple on the ass of that, that whole beast, basically. So, uh, you know, what we do, we love very much, but <laughs> you, you got to uh, keep a level head. You know, when you when you look at uh, at the situation, there's there's much more to life than black metal. Yeah, true. But do you, I guess being a black metal band, I guess being kind of provocative, do you get enjoyment out of seeing this like uh, friction with like these antifa groups, or do you just find them to be an annoyance? Like, Let me do what I want to do and be in peace. Well, you know, it depends on how bad it gets, obviously, because um, you know, I in the past I was uh, I was afraid to speak out about this, even though it was happening all the time. This isn't the last or the first show to ever get banned, because you know I was working for the man, but now I don't. So I uh, I feel freer in actually doing an interview like this and tell these people to go and get fucked because it's like being bullied at school. If you remember back to school, what do you do about being bullied at school? Do you take it or do you punch back immediately? Well, maybe not immediately, but uh, you eventually learn the lesson. But that's that's what you do. The, the bands that, uh, that this is happening to need to stand up to these people because they will never stop. The only thing that uh, will make them stop is uh, either uh, government action growing up, as I was mentioning before. And by the way, the other thing that uh, can make them stop is, uh, is legal action. Uh, that's how the uh, Salem witch trials uh, ended. Um, I think the, the kids that were you know, pointing at everyone saying, uh, oh, he's a witch, pointed at some um, wealthy gentleman in, uh, I think he was in Boston, and he sued them, and that was the end of the Salem uh, uh, witch trials. This is, another, this is another way out of the situation, you know. Um, the reason that they're picking on uh, blackmail bands is because they don't have the money to sue them. Yes. You, know, you can't just go around calling people neo Nazis. They have to have proof, yes. and you know, having uh, an eighty-eight limitation on your tape somewhere isn't proof. Yeah, that's just a number. Just a number. Know? Yeah, yeah. I guess what people associate to it's the problem. I guess that's and I guess like the music self interpretations killing you guys on. Let, Actually, like- that would explain, sorry to cut you off, Danny, but Roman, uh, there was an article where Metal Sucks had to double down on their whole uh, attack on black metal because a lot of the fans, in fact, pretty much most of them would then rebuttal against their argument saying, well, what about Slayer or what about the Confederate flag when Pantera was using it? And they were like, oh, no, we can't attack that. But me and my and everyone else like, well, why not? And from what you said, like you said, these things are powerhouses, like... Slayer, Metallica, or whatever, if they were ever found to have anything controversial, automatically Metal Sucks don't have the resources to go out and attack them. So why not, you know, pitch at the low-hanging fruit, which, like you said, unfortunately, at the moment is Black Metal, and it seems to be the whipping boy for these leftist organizations. Well, and you got to remember that uh, what's happening to Metal Sucks is, is 
paralleled in what's happening to the universities that allow this shit to go on, uh, which is they, they lose enrollment. If you have a look at Alexa and have a look at uh, Metal Sucks's um, ranking, it's going down because people don't want to read they don't want to read communist manifestos. They want to read, you know, metal journalism. The other thing is that uh, you kind of have to look at how metal sucks operates. And I mean, whilst it's not justifiable in my my opinion, it's it's understandable why they're doing it, which is uh, they're operating on a very clickbait type uh, scenario where um, uh, they would find something, some salacious piece of information, such as I don't know, um, the guitarist of so and so band sticks his dick out. You know, yeah. backstage, and uh, and there's underage girls there, or something like that. They publish that, and then they boost it on Facebook, so everyone sees, you know, that that post all the time. That's how they get their clicks and uh, get their ad revenue from uh, people that go to their site, clicking on other shit that's on their site. It's a business model. Uh, I don't think they're particularly concerned about who is and isn't a Nazi, and uh, they've obviously at some stage learned that uh, calling people Nazis gets them clicks, so they'll keep doing it. So the only way to fight that is stop reading Metal Sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's yeah. true. In fact, I've uh, me and Danny, yeah, we're getting lower and lower because we found like we were part of the problem. Yeah, we'd cover these stories, and now we're finding ourselves at that predicament where it's like, no, we don't want to be just the same as them. Really, like you said, the same, uh, different side, of the same coin, almost. So, quite an interesting predicament, Danny. Yeah, no, definitely right. Uh, it is look, it is disappointing that the media, metal media, is like going against metal. It's like anti. It seems like it's anti-metal at the moment. And it sucks because there's only so many publications. All these ones like Metal Hammer struggling and et cetera. It's, it's hard to get decent journalism. Mm. I mean, right, have you ever, Remy, you've thought about like doing your own like, line blogging, your own type of podcast to help get a bit of your information out there and to help people understand black metal better? Well, I, I used to actually have a zine called Procession of Black Doom, like a print zine. The problem with that is that whilst I love writing, uh, it takes a lot of effort. And unfortunately, I just don't have the time right now. All I can do is, uh, is offer my opinion in... in um, in programs like this that's and continue to do my music um, because unfortunately it can't be everything to everyone and um, you know I have <laughs> so much work in the, in the background you know right now I'm sitting in my uh, workshop for instance so as soon as I finished here I'm gonna go back to what I, what I was doing so you know um, what I am saying is that um, um, people seeing this stuff need to fight against it so you know if your mates band gets uh, gets cancelled because of bullshit reasons or if uh, somebody, quote, quote, calls you out for some bullshit online, um, speak up against it. Or, and, and, you know, don't go to that venue. Don't give them any air. They're going to be dickheads about this. They can uh, uh, book DJs, you know, instead of live bands where it's safe. And the problem is that they're not safe. They, they must think that uh, if they ban us this one time and do what these people say, this problem is going to go away. But what happens when you uh, ban all of the controversial bands uh, playing around? They're going to start going after, I don't know, uh, electronic music DJs on the basis that there aren't enough uh, females doing it or some bullshit like that. You know, uh, it's not going to end. And uh, well, what, what we've been discussing uh, as part of this uh, sort of internally to the scene is that uh, we might start doing just private shows. My objection to that is that I don't like doing private shows because, well, they end up playing to the same 20 people. But that might be a means to an end uh, in, in the meantime. Uh, whilst all this stuff blows over, basically. So what they're doing is damaging the scene. There's going to be less diversity. You know how they keep going about diversity. Well, there's going to be less diversity as a result of this, yeah. musically. And um, venues are going to lose money. Uh, I don't think the last chance actually rebooked that night. It was a Saturday night. We would have sold the place out. It's, I think last time I checked, it was still blank. So 
you know, um, they're willing to lose one night's trading uh, in exchange for doing the right thing against these imaginary Nazis whilst, you know, entertaining people that actually advocate for violence. Uh, and, you know, that's just a symptom of the political climate that we're in right now. Uh, I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's just the that's that's life, basically. Well, with that, um, we've pretty much talked about everything I wanted to get across. Danny, is there anything else you want to say? Oh, not really. I guess, like, Roman, if you want to, like, I guess for a lot of people out there that aren't really big into black metal culture, could you, like, just, I guess, succinctly put what black metal is to, like, other metal fans or other people aren't into metal? I guess they're kind of now attributing black metal to, like, only church burnings and Nazism. Is there, like, a way you can succinctly put what black metal is to, like, black metal musicians? You know, uh, it's like with anything. If you want to get into something, uh, listen to the classics. So if you want to get into rock and roll, uh, Chuck Berry, Jerry Lewis, a little bit later, the Beatles. Um, they were good. They were not originals, but they were very good interpreters of of, uh, of rock and roll. It's the same thing with black metal. If you want to get into black metal, look at the classics. What is it that uh, that influenced everyone that's uh, that's been into black metal? It hasn't been that long. It's been 30, 40 years, you know? So we're talking Bathory, Possessed, you know, uh, early death metal, stuff like Slayer, um, you know, uh, Norwegian and, uh, and uh, Swedish bands, European bands like Tiamat. Listen to the classics. You will not go wrong. There's quite a bit of generic stuff now, but back in the day, all of those old bands were unique and original, and they were great. This is why we play black metal. Roman, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Uh, best of luck with your family and, and for Varag as well and everything else and future endeavors and stuff like that. Uh, I'm sure now by affiliation, it might be harder for our band to get a gig now, <laughs> but that's the part of the parcel. <laughs> podcast we blacklisted now. Um, and is there, yeah. is there anything you like? And uh, are you in? Uh, just out of uh, uh, curiosity. Oh, I mean, as I distract, we're actually a death metal band. Uh, I do love black metal, but I was more into a just, uh, I love the, the darkest arts possible. And when I heard of your situation it actually made me a little sad because i am much more of a uh, expressionist and i love the paintings and all that the portraits in my head that i hear from music and um and to deny people that access to what i consider black metal is the ultimate form of dreary darkness and that just drenching that like you know that incredibly sadness on top of you and i think no other art form in, in metal and in almost in other forms do it so for me having you on the show was great and uh, i really hope that um the uh, the uh, uh climate here in the metal community can get together and really understand what's really going on and and point out the wrongs when they're when they are and when they when they actually do exist um is there anything else you want to leave your fans before you leave the show though today guys we're gonna have uh, our fourth album out uh on in- a German label called Schattenkauf Productionen, and we'll have uh, copies locally once once they get shipped. And that'll be in August. So uh, I am looking forward to it. I hope you are as well. And uh, we hope to devastate your senses with this uh, new album. And we're writing a new one right as we speak. Perfect. Thank you for having me on the show. Well-